If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host from SportstalkFlorida.com. Joining me, of course, are the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. Well, guys, I'll tell you what. This game Sunday night between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys is probably the most meaningful game that the Buccaneers have played in over a decade. How about your thoughts on Tampa Bay versus Dallas, Sunday night primetime? Them as, as the flex darlings of, of, of the National Football League uh, all of a sudden. Uh, that, that three straight games, Joe, flexed. Um, and I understand that it's the Cowboys, but, Joe, if the Cowboys were playing the Jaguars Sunday, that game would not have been flexed. So there's certainly a buck element to it. Uh, Joe, uh, the buck bandwagon. Is grown by leaps and bounds, and uh, a win Sunday night, Joe, I, I think would eliminate uh, all remaining skeptics. Well, uh, I, I agree with that, and but if anybody's been watching this team um, for the last, you know, five six weeks, I don't see why they would be skeptical because um, they're not winning. Uh, it's not a fluke what they've been doing because defense is not a fluke, and. Yeah, uh, what's the old saying? Defense travels well, right. and the Bucks are five five and one on the road. And um, Dak Prescott uh, has not exactly been lighting it up the last few weeks. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is going to be a load, and um, but the Bucks have have, have kind of got that little it factor right now, which explains why they're being flexed. They, you know, they've got the the credentials with the weather, or I mean the record. Excuse me. But they've also um, they got a little star power with uh, Jameis Winston, uh, Mike Evans. Uh, they're starting um, to uh, to get some affirming nods around the league, and and I know there are skeptics out there. I'll, I'll be surprised if they beat Dallas, um, but not all that much, to be honest with you. And uh, so we'll uh, we'll see where uh, where it goes. But I think. Um, I think this team is for real. You know, Jim, one thing I'm noticing, and Jim, you've been watching this team for 40 years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's something that's hard to put your finger on, but it's like all of a sudden there's some good karma uh, around this franchise, which is seldom the case. Uh, and by that I mean balls are bouncing their way. Now, now you've got to be around the ball to cause it. I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, they're catching teams at the right time, Jim. Like, take this week's game, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff swirling in Big D. Uh, and there always is uh, when the Cowboys lose a game. And, yep. you know, you got this Romo-Prescott situation. Uh, Jason Garrett's trying to back Prescott, which he should. Uh, but then you've got Jerry. 
And Jerry always keeps the door open, and it seems to me like, you know, he's got a special place in his heart for Romo. And I don't think it would take much for them to pull the plug on this fourth-round pick, as good as he's been. So, Jim, things are bouncing the Bucks' way. They're getting healthy. Other teams are seeing guys go down left and right, key players. And the Bucks, meanwhile, are getting healthy. Um, things seem to go in, in their direction right now, Jim. Let me ask you both something, and you guys um, follow this team religiously. Uh, is this – are we looking at a upward trajectory that is going to be able to be sustained and built upon, or is this just something that you're looking at and going, well, hell, things are breaking our way. You know, you make your own, you know, breaks. I get that. But, but uh, you know, is this an upward trajectory that we can say, wow, I can't wait when the season's over, win, lose, or draw, whatever happens, playoffs, whatever. Um, I can't wait till 2017 because it's, it's only going to get better. Is that what we're looking at here? Take that, take that first, Joe. Okay. Well, I think so. Um, things go in cycles in the NFL. Sure. And and the Bucks have had their share of premium draft picks the last few years, as we all know. Um, they've drafted well. They've um, they've they've got a kind of a, a swagger now on defense, which, as you guys know, I'm a big one for mm-hmm. um, teams playing to their identity. And with the Bucks, their identity has always been defense. So. From the defense, everything flows. Now, you've got a guy capable of making big plays on the other side of the ball with Jameis Winston, Mike Evans. You've gotten um, a guy like Cameron Brait, who uh, came from nowhere. And all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's a pretty good tight end. Uh, he's reliable. He makes plays. Teams have to account for him uh, on the other side of the ball. And Adam Humphreys has, has been – just outstanding uh, as as a second receiver, and they 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 need a few more pieces. Obviously, um, they I still think that they need to draft a uh, a big play receiver. I don't know how high their pick's going to be next year, but some of those guys tend to fall to uh, to later in the round. Um, I'm certainly not going to start breaking down the draft yet, but, um, you know, the, uh, this team has got a lot of pieces in place and getting, getting really good defensive line play. And that of course, as we know from the Warren Sapp and Simeon Rice days was a, was a hallmark of, of when the Bucks were uh, the best defense in the league. So, yeah, I think there's, there's reason to, to think that this is, uh, sustainable. Now, here we are on the Sunshine Boys podcast, Jim Williams with Joe Henderson, who you just heard, and in a rare situation, me upcutting Ira instead of Joe. Um, but uh, let me ask you a quick question, guys. Uh, when Jameis Winston came out of FSU, did you have any expectation that he would be the kind of franchise quarterback he's been in him? I, 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 thought, he, I thought he'd be good. I, I didn't think he'd be this good. Now, he didn't have his best game Sunday against uh, a poor Saints defense. He knows he's got to do better. Uh, but Joe's points are well taken. He doesn't have great weapons other than Evans. And, Jim, teams are swallowing up 
Evans. They're, they're throwing mm-hmm. tremendous numbers of resources uh, in an effort to, to stop this uh, big number 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Jim, I, I throw it to him anyway. Uh, people say I'm crazy. You're forcing things. Winston will get picked off. Uh, Joe, check me on this. Uh, Evans is a guy that even if there's a, a 50-50 ball, I'm, I'm throwing it to Mike Evans. Um, there's a good chance I'm getting a flag. Uh, he, he shields his, uh, his defenders off very well. So Winston, you know, his leadership, Jim, which looks like it could be faked, rah-rah, uh, it's not genuine. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I think we would have known that by now. Certainly the players would have seen through it. Um, meanwhile, the guy comes in at 6 o'clock in the morning. Jim, he's beating coaches in, and that's the key. He's putting the work in. If, you, if you're talking, don't put the work in. You, you got no leadership. So he's done everything right. Uh, as we speak, guys, on Thursday morning, uh, late last night, um, that civil suit filed against him was, was settled out of mm-hmm. court. Uh, he was going to have to go to Orlando in April, and who wants that hanging over your head? Uh, no guilt, uh, you know, uh, acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Um, because he countersued, so no guilt on either side. Uh, we'll never know the details, uh, but it's over. The civil suit is over, and as Joe and I expected, these things tend to get settled, right, Joe? You're not surprised uh, this thing didn't go to court. Well, no, and and um, that uh, you're correct, Ira. That coming into his time with the Buccaneers, character was the big question with Jameis mm-hmm. Winston, and. Um, you had Marcus Mariota, who's a modern-day Boy Scout sitting there uh, mm-hmm. that the Bucks could have chosen. But they locked in on Jameis Winston very early. Um, give Lovey Smith credit for that. Uh, I, now, I don't know if, if that was his sole pick, but he certainly uh, didn't do anything to argue against it. Let's put it that way. That's right. That's and right. and um, so they rolled the dice a little bit, or what we thought was rolling the dice, but what they saw uh, was a franchise quarterback, a guy who can be their Drew Brees, who can be their Cam Newton or Matt Ryan in a, in a quarterback-driven division. And they are correct. <laughs> That's all you can say at this point. Um, Jameis has, has been everything that they would have wanted and probably a little more. And you, you look at him, you – the thing you ask for a franchise quarterback, Ira, back me up on this, is that you never feel you're out of a game when you have one. And, you know, you can be three touchdowns up on Drew Brees and you're still sitting there holding your breath. And the Bucks can certainly from past history tell you all about that. Well, I get that same vibe with, with Jameis. And the chemistry he has right now with Mike Evans is just tremendous. And Mike Evans, by his own admission, didn't have a good year last year. He dropped a lot of balls, um, lost his head a lot of times, uh, just right. wasn't wasn't able to maintain focus. That has not been an issue this year. Um, it's fun to watch. How about Dirk Cutter? Uh, Dirk how about, Cutter, how about, uh, yeah. <laughs> Joe, uh, you know, he, he's got to be on the fringes, on the fringes uh, of Coach of the Year conversation. Now, you know, he's not the leading guy. You would think Jason Garrett uh, would be uh, near the top uh, with Del Rio. Uh, Belichick's always great. You could give him the award every year. Uh, but Cutter's done a remarkable resurrection here, as has Mike Smith, 
uh, uh, Jim, uh, who's the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, who hopes to get another shot at being a head coach. And when the Bucks were three and five, Joe, coming off that Oakland Atlanta debacles, uh, you know, nobody was giving Mike Smith a, a second thought. You know, he, he looked dead in the water. Uh, you know, and the question was, what, would he be able to come back as defensive coordinator at that point? Uh, and like Joe mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago, uh, this surge has been powered by uh, an incredible uh, defensive spurt. Uh, Jim, they're giving up uh, 12, 13 points a game. And uh, it's been remarkable, uh, an in-season adjustment uh, from uh, three and five, dead in the middle of the year. Off the Atlanta game, Joe, they had a couple of extra days off that Thursday night debacle, and I think it helped because they um, they really uh, looked inward and uh, communicated with themselves, and I think they listened to the players, Joe, and that's important. They got the player input about what was going wrong, and, and Mike Smith and Cutter uh, have done a very nice job of responding. You know, you're coming off that Atlanta game, right? And it was it was a dreadful game, and you're three and five. Everybody's throwing their hands up. Oh, the same old Bucks. We knew it. You're looking at a schedule that includes a trip to Kansas City. You got the Seattle Seahawks coming here. Uh, you, you know you've you've got this Dallas game coming up, and uh, you're just going well. Okay, I guess I'll spend December doing Christmas shopping instead of uh, being interested in football, and. I will argue that when they went to Kansas City and beat a team that does not lose at home and beat them soundly, uh, it was not a fluke, that that will go down, I think, as the uh, if they continue this trajectory, as, as the game we look back on and say, that's the one that turned it around. Because uh, nobody saw that coming except maybe the, uh, the 53 men in the room and the coaching staff. And hey, Joe, for those guys, finish, go ahead, Ira. Uh, Joe, if they Joe, if they finish nine and seven, and, and fall a little bit short, uh, ironically, uh, they're going to look back at the Rams game and say, "Yeah, how how the heck did we lose a home game to the Rams? That that one really sticks in their throat, Jimmy." Let me ask you both. You know, you're talking about defense. Who were the guys that are impressing you on the defensive side of the ball? Well, uh, Joe, I'll start off with a rookie, um, a, a second-round pick who had some questions, maybe character concerns. He's not a big guy, but Noah Spence, Joe, a uh, defensive end. He's coming in on pass rush situations. And the kid shows a lot of talent. I watch him closely, Jim, on, on Sundays. He's got a lot of moves. He's not one of these guys. I go back to a Gaines Adams, you know, Joe coming out of Clemson. Might have had 13 sacks as a senior uh, or a junior. And I looked at him, and he, you know, all he had was that speed move around the end, Joe. And guess what? That, that's not going to work uh, against the better uh, offensive tackles in this league. They figure you out in three seconds. Spence has a lot of moves, Joe. He's got spins. He, he, he uses his hands well. He's going to get six sacks this year. And I, I, I see him as a future double-digit sacker. So I'm watching him, Joe, on defense. and. I think he's making a contribution. Oh, there's, uh, you, that was one guy uh, who, whose name you took right out of my mouth. Uh, Spence has been has has really been a find. Um, you know, one of those guys that that the the Bucks 
maybe took a, a gamble on, but they did their homework and um, said that um, we think his issues are behind him. And so far uh, they have been and really a contributor, but a guy that, that I think doesn't get a lot of notice, but um, they're just better when he's in there is Robert Ayers. Um, yeah. They brought him in um, to, to help the pass rush and he really, he was hurt for a time back when the Bucks were struggling. And, and now he's, he's back out, he's healthy. And all of a sudden they're, they're swarming over, over uh, opposing quarterbacks. And he's a guy to me that, that, that was a very astute off season pickup for the Bucks. Uh, nicely done. And Joe, he's a nasty guy too, Joe. He, he, he brings a little attitude, a little attitude too. Well, and, and, he, and he, he came from a winning organization with the Giants. And, you know, you've got, you've got to have some guys like that. You can't perpetually be the youngest team in the league. And yeah. the Bucks certainly have their young core to build with. But you've got to have a couple of old, old hands in there that says, okay, kids, this is how you do it. And uh, he seems to be filling that role. That's a tremendous point, Jim, by Henderson, because mm-hmm. – I, I used to rail until a year or two ago. Uh, if you were 30 years old, Jim, on the mm-hmm. free agent market, uh, the Bucks wouldn't look at you twice. And they just wouldn't. And I thought it was a mistake because mm-hmm. I remember some of Gruden's better teams, the ones that, uh, you know, won division titles. Uh, Joe, they had salty veterans, Ike Hilliard, Kevin Carter, guys like that. And, and Joe's right. You, you can't have a bunch of youngsters uh, because the coaches can only show you so much. Jim, but you learn you learn from your teammates, and I think that's been critical. You know, Ira, you bring up the point. Um, you know, we can go back in the day, and um, I don't. I remember the Raiders organization. I don't think they had a guy starting on the, their their um, successful teams at one thirty or above. I mean, they, they, yeah. they <laughs> you know, they would bring them in and they'd like, Oh, they're, you know, Plunky can't play anymore. He's washed up. All of a sudden he's an all pro. Uh, I mean, there was, that was, so that's a different mentality, different time zone, but yeah. Okay. Um, it was something back groom, in the gym. Then, then you groom the younger players behind them. You don't, right. you don't put them mm-hmm. in before they're ready. They don't right. have to rush to get them there. Not that, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a Joe Henderson phrase, not for nothing. The Buccaneers have been, you know, on the road six games, and um, they've been 5-1 and one against the spread on the road. They've been the best road team in all of professional football if you're an odds person. Joe, uh, Joe you, we're, we're not uh, – look, we're, we're not used to the Bucs winning, period around here, uh, you know, since 08. Let's be honest, they've had one winning season, 2010, which it looks like a fluke in retrospect. They were pulling games out of their butts with uh, Josh Freeman that year. Uh, but they did win 10 games. But, Joe, 5-1 and one on the road, and, you know, here's my uh, contribution to original research, gentlemen, today. Uh, with wins in Dallas and New Orleans, in Dallas and New Orleans the next two weeks, uh, the Bucks would be seven and one for the first time on the road in franchise history. Never happened. Even the O2 team went went six and two. They've never won seven road games uh, in a season. So you know, among all the other check boxes, uh, it's right there in front of them. Like Joe said, Dallas is a tall order. 
I dare say, guys, if, if they win Sunday night and pull that upset, uh, you would think they'd go into the Superdome and, and, and beat down a, a bad Saints team. So it's within their grasp, Joe. Uh, is it likely? Maybe not. But, uh, boy, 7-1 and one would be uh, a shocker of all shockers, Joe. Well, and and it would be it'd be astonishing uh, with a second year quarterback and a new coach, a new head coach, and all the other elements uh, involved there. But this, I don't think this team thinks in those terms. I get the impression that they they aren't sitting there going, okay, if we beat Dallas, then we can maybe we can beat New Orleans. I don't think they think like that. I think they think. We play Dallas, and when that's over, we'll think about New Orleans, and when that's over, we'll think about Carolina, and when that's over, we'll think about our playoff opponent because I think they fully expect to be in the playoffs, and mentally, that is, uh, that's a big part of the battle. Uh, I think a lot of Bucks teams in the past, in the recent past, went on the field going, well, we'd like to win but I'm not sure we can. And you saw that a lot with Lovey Smith's teams, that they just, they played hard. They were, they were right in a lot of games, but when it came crunch time, they would figure out a way to lose the game. This team yeah. figures out a way to win the games. And we saw it, you know, like I said, in Kansas city, we saw it in what was really a thrashing of the Seattle Seahawks. Let's just face it. Um, we saw it at San Diego. And we saw it last weekend where you're sitting there, uh, even though it was the Drew Brees was, was facing, what, a 97-yard drive at the end of the game to win it. Uh, it's happened before. I was going to say, it's <laughs> and, not like he hasn't done it. Um, you know, and we're sitting there going, okay, well, well same. Well, we've seen this movie, but we hadn't seen that movie because they just, they, they stomped on them. So, you know, I'm, I don't know if they can beat Dallas, but I don't know that they won't. And and that's an unusual thought for this time of Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Hey, Ira, what do they have to do? What What do they have to do to beat Dallas? In your mind, what well, they, what, what are the things gotta, that the keys to winning? They They can't be overwhelmed by what is by general consensus uh, the premier offensive line in football, and and I think mm-hmm. it is, uh, although they didn't play particularly well against the Giants. Uh, who, who showed a pass rush without Pierre Paul. I was a little surprised at that. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're going to have three Pro Bowl offensive linemen, the Cowboys, three. Uh, the, le- the left tackle, the, you know, the center, and, and the right guard. I, I think they had it last year. Probably have it again. So that's job one for the Bucks. Slow down Ezekiel Elliott, as Joe points out. Not an easy task. Not an easy task. Even in the Giants game, when, when Dallas' offense did very little, uh, he got his 100. Now, I will say this. Uh, the last two games, Dallas, they squeaked by Minnesota and lost to the Giants. Joe, they're two for 24 on third down in those two games. Two for 24. That's a problem from a Cowboys perspective, and it's one reason why the, uh, the Romo supporters are, are feeling a little emboldened at this point. Uh, but you, you can't get overwhelmed by the Cowboy offensive line. They want to control the ball, Joe. They're... They're very good on time of possession, and that helps uh, Rod Marinelli's defense, of course. And the Buck, Jim, to be honest, mm-hmm. the Bucks' rushing defense, Joe, it hasn't been great. has not been great this year, not as good as last year. Um, 
I'm cramming the box, Jim. Uh, I'm Darren Prescott to beat me. I know mm-hmm. he's got Des Bryant, but Des Bryant hasn't been a big factor uh, uh, almost all season long. He's been hurt. Uh, I like the, the way the Bucks' pass defense is playing. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll turn this over to Henderson uh, with this caveat. Mm-hmm. No, during this five-game winning streak, five games, the Bucks <laughs> have scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. Their opposition has scored seven, seven, five games. Uh, as Henderson mentions, in crunch time in the past, the Bucks mm-hmm. found a way to lose. Now they're finding a way to win, Joe, heading into Dallas. Well, uh, and you ask what they have to do to beat the Cowboys right. this week. Um, in my opinion, the Cowboys um, have gotten away from their identity in the last two weeks. Um, they were throwing the ball around a little bit too much. Uh, Dak Prescott has, has gotten exposed, which has opened up the Romo door. Um, kind of eerily reminiscent of what the uh, Broncos did last year with Peyton Manning. You know, everybody was all in love with Osweiler, and and um, they bring Manning in uh, in the middle of a game where they were struggling, and all of a sudden they're not struggling. They win the game, and they go on uh, to the Super Bowl. Manning wasn't a big factor in that, but he was the, the Super Bowl winning quarterback. Um, I would not be surprised to see them go to Romo because that's who the Cowboys are. They're They're a little flaky from time to time. But I think they're going to come out and give the Bucks a mouthful of Ezekiel Elliott from start to finish. I think those linebackers are going to um, have their hands full for the Bucks, trying to um, ward off that massive offensive line that I was talking about. And uh, if if Elliott can be the Elliott he's been all season, uh, I think that's the game that they're going to play, and they'll they will pass when they need to. But I think uh, I think they're going to get back to the basics this week, and the Bucks have to be ready to stop it. And the Bucks on the offensive side of the ball have to do what? Score more points in Dallas. All right, I get that. But, uh, <laughs> they they got to get their running game going, Joe. I mean, you know, Doug Martin. People are defending him. He's running hard. He, he scored a couple of nice touchdowns with second effort, Joe. But the facts are the facts, Joe. I'm not trying to pick on Doug Martin, but the guy's averaging three yards a carry. And he doesn't have a 20-yard run all season. Now, he missed six games. I understand that. What does that mean? That means he played seven. He's got 120 carries, guys. He doesn't have a 20-yard run. Elliott's got like 15. So, you know, where's the burst from Doug Morton uh, that, you know, that will inflate, you know, the Bucks' rushing average? Because it's not very good right now. And Dallas is like 4.8, which is tremendous considering, Joe, they're the only team in the league that runs more than they pass, the Cowboys. I know you're not surprised at that. They're the only team in the league. Some teams are like crazy, you know, 28% run, 72% pass. Dallas isn't like that. Joe's right. They they throw when they're going good. They throw when they want to throw, Jim, not when you want them to throw. So, right. you know, the Bucks uh, got to get their ground game going because, Joe, uh, if, if, if it's crazy, and the Bucks are playing in January in the playoffs, and, you know, and they go on the road, you know, somewhere cold, uh, you know, go to Lambeau or something. You got to be able to run the ball. And uh, I know that's getting ahead of myself, but even in this game, they got to run the ball. 
You know, Ira, I would think that, um, I mean, teams have run on Dallas. I mean, that has not been necessarily the issue with, uh, with Dallas. Dallas just ends up scoring more points. But yeah. you can run on them. And I guess the cliche being that if you can run, you can shorten the game. And shortening the game means less possessions. Less possessions means, you know, an opportunity to win the game without, you know, making any mistakes. So. That's what Dallas does to the other guys, Jim, all year yep. long, all year long. Yep. Well, I've got a stat for you, Ira. Your right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are ranked 20th in the league in penalty yards against, and they've, they've cut that down uh, a little bit in the last uh, three games during this stretch. Um, prone to penalties, and it without looking up entirely what they're uh, what they're being penalized for it seems like they get a lot of offensive penalties against them they do um, they do um, false starts holding that sort of stuff and you can't do that against Dallas you just can't and yeah, if you make a play and you look back and you see the yellow flag um, highly deflating so they need to really uh, button that up uh, this week, they uh, got to. Yeah, I'm not going to say they have to play a flawless game, but I think they have to play uh, pretty close to it to have a chance to beat this team. And the Bucks have been, uh, uh, Jim. One another aspect of of the Buck revival, uh, and Joe Joe uh, will back me up on this is uh, they're winning the turnover battles every week. Um, in the beginning, it was dreadful. They were minus nine at one point. Now they're plus six. That's a big big turnaround. And they're coming in bunches. They picked off Breeze uh, three times last week. Prescott doesn't throw a lot of picks, but we'll see. Uh, and that's why it's imperative for the Bucks to be able to stop the run. Uh, you know, Dallas likes those third and ones, third and twos, Jim. That, that's what they've had all year. Uh, make it third and six, and, and it's a different ball game uh, on Sunday night. What about um, just for the moment going south and? Um... What about Ryan Tannehill? What about the Miami Dolphins? Are they cooked or are they got to still in the hunt? I mean, they're right now there are only one, you know, they're, they're sitting on the bubble. I don't think they're cooked, Joe. I don't think they're cooked. Uh, Tannehill's been good. He's been better than uh, I thought he would be. Maybe even Joe thought he would be. But I think their identity has changed, Joe. I think they're a running team uh, with a Jai. And, you know, the veteran quarterback will fill in. He won't be as good as Tannehill, but he won't be terrible. And they play in decent defense. I, I, I don't think it's a killer blow. Uh, I, I think it's a difficult, uh, you know, task for the Dolphins, Joe, but I, I don't think they're done. No, they're probably not done. Um, but I don't, this certainly doesn't help. Matt Moore's, you know, he's he's probably a passable uh, replacement in the short term, but they've got to get Ajayi going because he has really dropped off um, yeah. in uh, in the last uh, two or three weeks. He's been around 40 yards, 45 yards a game, and um, that's not going to get it done, especially uh, with your backup quarterback in there. So uh, they've got a, as we used to say in Ohio, a tough row to hoe, but um, they. Uh, They've got. You want to be in December playing meaningful games, and that's what they're doing, and 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 good on them for that. To go back to a point that you guys made earlier, um, 
I think the Dolphins uh, are a team that even if they fall short this year, can look uh, to the future um, and feel pretty good about things because they've, they've made massive strides this year, really massive. And, um, you know, that they've got something to build on. Jim, One real Jim, quick that thing. Was a character, Jim, that was a character win for Miami last week mm-hmm. because you saw, you saw them against the Ravens. They, they, they didn't did. show up. No, the bus and was running when they got here. Yeah. Absolutely. Guy, you know, Baltimore receivers running wide open. Mm-hmm. And, and, Joe, uh, Arizona – who was desperate, you know, to salvage any uh, playoff chance with a win last week. And they rally, Joe, and tie the score with a touchdown and a two-point conversion. And Dolphin fans, their heads were drooping. And then Miami wins the game. Jim, that showed me a little, that showed mm-hmm. me a little spunk from Miami. Yep. Quick question, guys. Um, on the other team in the state, <laughs> does Jacksonville have a new coach next season? Um, away, go to Vegas and bet your house that they will. <laughs> um, I'm just asking, you know. Well, uh, look, I'll, I will give ownership credit in Jacksonville. Um, a lot of organizations, including one right here in Tampa, would have had about three coaches in the time that the Jaguars have had Gus Bradley at the helm. But nice guy, seems to know – what he's doing, everybody said it was the right hire, um, but they were supposed to take a big leap forward this year, and instead they have done a cliff dive, and they are 2-11, and 11, uh, Bortles, their, their franchise quarterback has, has regressed horribly, and, um, you know, they've, that's a team that does not know how to win, and it's probably time for a new voice uh, in Jacksonville. Joe, Joe's right, Jim. It's the safest bet on the NFL board. Uh, Gus Bradley will not be back in Northeast Florida. I love Gus Bradley as a person. I root for him. You know, I had him here in Tampa. He was on Gruden's staff. Great guy. But uh, he's been a terrible head coach. You know, and, and they've shown a lot of patience. I've been thinking about this Jacksonville job, Joe. You, you know, want it, Ira? <laughs> you hear about Tom Coughlin, Joe returning, Mike Smith, you know, has a history with the Jaguars, and, and he's becoming a, a viable head coach candidate again, uh, and he did a good job in Atlanta, you know, on, on retrospect, so, but I'm looking at it, Joe, you know what, I, I don't think they fit the bill, I I want a guy that can work with Bortles, because if I'm starting over with a new quarterback, I mean, now the Jags are three, four years away, so, I got to resurrect Blake Bortles, who, who threw 35 touchdowns last year and, and has looked like a shell of himself. I'm, I'm going to take a look at McDaniels uh, from New England, and, and I think Kyle Shanahan's done a tremendous job in Atlanta. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan's had a career year. I, I've seen the Falcons twice, Jim. They're very imaginative on offense. Um, you know, they, they use everybody, and Joe, if I'm the Jacksonville owner, I I, I got to go with an offensive coach that can work with Bortles. I think. I I completely agree. Um, that's uh, you know McDaniel's would certainly uh, fit the bill. Shanahan is uh, could handle this. Um, the guys you mentioned, but 
whoever you feel most comfortable with um, on the offensive side of the ball is, is the guy you need to hire. Look at, look at the Buccaneers, just for example. Okay. Dirk Cutter, offensive coordinator last year, and everybody gave him high marks, right? Well, uh, as, as much as we like the defense, uh, Jameis Winston is the face of this franchise right now. So when you decide, okay, we're going we're gonna to make a change and we're going to, you know, we want to keep Dirk Cutter here because we want to make our, we want to keep our quarterback on an upward tra- uh, trajectory. So you go out and you hire a, a, a guy who's turned out to be a terrific defensive coordinator, Mike Smith, and let him do what he does best. And that is a strategy that Jacksonville could follow in, in what I believe is an inevitable coach search. Go hire a guy who can fix Blake Bortles and then find the best defensive coordinator you can. Uh, let him do what he does and you fix your quarterback. And I think this team, I think they've got some pieces in place to be um, very competitive uh, going forward. I don't think it's a total rebuild there. I really don't. I'll tell you what, I think um, if you were to pick Kyle Shanahan, I think that'd be a great pick. He's done a lot of really good things. Uh, And, you know, he's learned from his dad, but he also learned from Kubiak. And, you know, he is very much a quarterback whisperer. So I I definitely would have him on my speed dial. The Rams Rams could be looking at him, Joe, with, uh, with Jared Goff. I think he'd be attractive there, too. Well, that's a great point. Um, they, we haven't even talked about the Rams, and what a mess. What an unholy mess in Los Angeles. Oh, my goodness gracious, what a mess. And um, you, couldn't, you couldn't draw it up any worse than what they've done out there this year. So You're absolutely now, right. Uh, you know, Joe, you may not even know this, but knowing you, you do know this. But I, I still don't think you could write this as a script. Um, Joe, Jeff Fisher's agent, Marvin Demoff, is the father of the guy that's running the Rams football operation, Kevin Demoff, who worked here in Tampa under Bruce Allen. Joe, that, that's untenable. How could that happen? How could the owner let that happen? So for those who are wondering, what, what, why, is, why was Fisher still in the L.A., and why did he have such a leash with the Rams? No, that that can't happen. Unbelievable. No, uh, totally unbelievable. And 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 I don't. If I'm a a, a young up and coming head coach candidate, I don't know that I want any part of that situation out there because what you all what you hear is is frankly the same stuff in a different sport that George Steinbrenner used to say about life in New York with the Yankees during. When they weren't so good, shall we say, uh, there was a stretch there where the Yankees were pretty bad. And George was more concerned about winning the back pages and the, and the, of the tabloids and, and being in the news than he was actually building a winning team. Uh, and I think L.A. has got, you know, from what I've been reading and hearing out of L.A., it, it, there's a little bit of that, maybe a lot of that going on with the Rams. They see themselves as, you know, entertainment as much as they see themselves as football. And 
that that doesn't work in the NFL. You 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 know look at look at look at the Cowboys. Their struggles over the years as they tried to be entertaining before they finally just said, "Hey, let's just get a big back and run it right up your gut and um, win some games." Hard knocks, and that'll be entertaining. Didn't the, Rams, didn't the Rams do hard knocks, Joe? That's another. They abs- absolutely did. And you know it's it's um, they need uh, a top to bottom overhaul of that franchise in my opinion but that's okay next year they'll have the chargers in town they don't have to worry about the Rams. <laughs> yeah boy san diego they're running out of options jim they're running out of options you know i don't care if goodell you know is fixated on keeping them in San Diego. it's all about stadium guys right. stadium mm-hmm. and you know throw oakland in the mix too they, they started there in 66 mm-hmm. Darryl LaMonica joe was throwing a bullet in the cuff uh back then and uh and Al Davis was, was at the top of his game. I mean, that's a long time ago. Uh, and San Diego, Qualcomm, you know. So uh, fans don't want to pay for new stadiums, Joe. Can you blame them? Can you? No. Not at, not at these costs. I mean, they just keep escalating. Uh, and, you know, used to we talked about stadiums in a, a couple or 300 million. Now you're talking, you know, a couple of billion. And that's just, that's absurd. And, and even if they're privately built, um, the ticket prices they have to charge uh, to get into these stadiums uh, has made uh, football at a place like Los Angeles and maybe Dallas uh, kind of an elitist um, situation. And I think that's been reflected in kind of a, a lower NFL TV ratings and, and other issues this year. I really do. You can throw um... – the Meadowlands complex in there with the Giants and the Jets um, for high ticket prices. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's a definite situation. And you're right about Oakland with the possibility of them heading to, uh, to Vegas. So we'll see. But uh, anyway, the Raiders, Raiders in Vegas, what could, what could possibly go wrong there? <laughs> to me, that is like the perfect match ever. <laughs> Like, you know, what other uh, team could be in Vegas other than the Raiders? I mean, really. and Jim, uh, you know, Jim, who, who's in the middle of the negotiations uh, on, on the Raiders side uh, uh, situation? But, but your friend, Shelly Adelson, uh, oh, yeah, probably my met, who you probably met at one of these Washington uh, state dinners. Uh, but he's he's smack in the middle of these things. He's a power broker. And um Jim, he, he could pay for that stadium himself. It's like you and I, you know, writing uh, writing tip money out. And, and, and but uh, I, I don't think he's gonna, uh, you know, uh, harm, uh, you know, take over the uh, the entire cost of the stadium. But there's a lot of money to be made, Jim, in Vegas. It's too much money for the NFL to refuse. Now, and you know, I think personally, since he's pushing, um, you know, uh, since he's pushing uh, John Bolton to uh, take. Uh, oh Oh, get that spot behind um, Rex Tulson at uh, at State. Uh, maybe putting his focus on the Raiders in Vegas wouldn't be a bad idea at this point in time. So I remember that bad. guy Bolton, Joe. I remember that guy Bolton on 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 uh, Fox News Channel every other day. Um, and I think I saw him for a year and a half, and he didn't say one nice thing, not one positive thing uh, about the current administration. Zero. In a year and a half. <laughs> well, maybe he'll be the new head coach of the Raiders, and we can just go from that standpoint. Or not the Raiders, uh-huh. but the uh, Rams. We'll just get him out there. Uh, well, you know, guys, 
as we're getting ready here toward the end, we, we would be remiss not to take a couple of minutes and talk about USF's hiring of um, Charlie Strong, someone who we've all known for quite a while. And it's good to see Charlie land on his feet. It's even better to see Charlie land on his feet in Tampa. Yeah, that um, that one uh, uh, has gotten pretty much universal uh, thumbs up from um, out there in college football land. And um, Willie Taggart's a, a tough act to follow uh, for what he created at USF. And, you know, that that is, I've said it on here before, and I'll continue to say it, Quentin Flowers, the, the quarterback, is the best kept secret in the country and, and apparently is a kept secret from uh, even the Tampa Bay area, uh, judging by the attendance at USF games. But um, he's, he's a, as exciting as anybody in the game today. And it looks like he'll be coming back for his senior year. Um, and right away, if you're Charlie Strong, you're going with well, that. I can work with that. And he's got great recruiting ties in the state of Florida. That's, that is one of his strengths. And he walks into your living room, you've got instant credibility. So well done, USF. And uh, let's, uh, let's see what kind of staff he puts together. But, um, you know, if you had to lose Willie Taggart, uh, this one was a pretty good hire uh, to take his Jim, place. Uh, Jim, I've got a question for our young Mr. Henderson. May I, uh, may I, may I pose it, James? Always. May I pose All right. It? Your, All yeah. right. Go now, for it. Now, Joe, uh, Maybe I'm being naive here, Jim. You know, look, I, I don't know that much about Charlie Strong, but it just seems to me a little bit strange that universal acclaim is, is, is flowing down from the heavens on a guy who didn't get the job done uh, in Texas. Now, I need Henderson to explain what the heck happened at Texas uh, because if the guy's name wasn't Charlie Strong, uh, you, you might say, what, what the heck is USF doing? So somebody straighten me out on Charlie Strong and why his three years at Texas doesn't seem to matter, gentlemen. I'll be happy to, Ira. Okay. <laughs> the, I was, uh, was going to say I'll help, but whatever. Go ahead. Yeah, you can, you can help, Jim. Um, Charlie Strong... Uh, in 52 games at Louisville was 37 and 15. His last team was 12 and one. Uh, the team before that was 11 and two. He gets to a Texas team pretty much in disarray. Um, Mac Brown had the, the program had slipped. There were discipline issues, uh, all sorts of problems. And before he walks in the door in Austin, Texas, Red McCombs, who's the Major, major uh, Longhorn booster goes, nah, I don't like it. I don't like this hire. And Texas is the kind of place, well, it's true in a lot of uh, big-time colleges, but Texas certainly is up there to where the money guys have a lot, of, a lot to say about it. And so everything that he did at Texas, I would submit to you, was um, – accomplished with people standing on the limb hovering over him, waiting for him to fail. And um, that had, there, there was a lot of outside noise in Texas. He's not going to find that at South Florida. 
you know, what he's going to be able to do is coach and be himself. And uh, lest we forget uh, in uh, 2012 with Louisville, he goes to the Sugar Bowl and uh, caps off an 11 and two season um, by beating, wait for it, Ira, the Florida Gators. Florida Come Gators. on, I thought you were going to jump in with that. I, and uh, they beat the Florida Gators. And so this guy can coach. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he's going he's gonna to do a great recruiting job. And frankly, he needs to do that because uh, the, the quality of college coaching in the state of Florida has gotten a serious upgrade in the last couple of weeks. Well, he better watch himself, Jim, because you got sharks like Henderson watching his every move at USF. That's all I'll say. I'm, I'm right there on the limb looking over him. I, I'm going to tell you this. Tom Herman is the luckiest man on the face of the earth because he's going to walk into Austin, Texas, and he's going to look at what Charlie Strong has there, and he's going to do – I would not be surprised – if the Texas Longhorns win the Big 12 Conference Championship next year with Herman as the head coach, only because Charlie recruited phenomenally well. He had two back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes, both with rivals and 24-7. And, you know, he's got kids from all over the state of Texas. The problem, Myra, and I'll keep it short, uh, on Texas, as Joe said, you know, at Texas is one of those places where if you go, if you're bowl eligible, you get fired. Uh, if you're not in the conversation for a national championship, it's tough. And Charlie's other problem, and this is a huge problem, is he wasn't a Texas guy. He wasn't, you know, much like Michigan talking about, you know, you got to be a Michigan guy to run the program. You got to be a Texas guy. Charlie wasn't a Texas guy. And as Joe earlier reported, guys like Red McCombs and other major boosters were not ever um, happy with what, uh, what Charlie did. So, uh, given his history, I think Ira, both Joe and I are feel, willing to give him a mulligan on, uh, on Texas and happy to see him in at South Florida and only time will tell, but I, I do believe Charlie will do an outstanding job. Uh, Jim, if Herman, if Herman wins the big 12, as, as you forecast, strong, strong won't get any credit, right, Jim? Zero. No, Zero. no. Yeah. But look at how many times it happens, Ira, even in the pros. Where guys do a wonderful job, but it, you know, but the administration, or in the case of the NFL, the owners say, you know what? I'm sorry, it's time to change uh, coaches. And the next year in, you know, the new guy does fantastic, playing with the other guys, uh, you know, team. We could say John see John Gruden for that, That's but right. um, That's right. not gonna say, you know. <laughs> Not saying, well, but as, just saying. Uh, yeah. as my friend Ira uh, would would say, if if I uh, if he uh, would would think if about he it were for here a minute, to talk, a, yes, if he were here to talk to us, I'm going to make a bold and brash statement. Okay, and and I'm going to say that it, Texas is certainly capable of winning uh, the Big Twelve next year because the Big Twelve ain't that good, right. and that Charlie Strong overall at USF is probably going to have close to as, as big a challenge winning the American conference as Texas would have winning the big 12. And, you know, they, they've, um, the big 12 has 
kind of fallen off the earth in the last couple of years. Now we'll, we'll see what happens like at Baylor, uh, which just made a great coaching hire in Temple's Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, you know, Tom Herman certainly um, was the flavor of the month or the flavor of the year, if you'll have it, at Houston. Mm-hmm. But Houston didn't win the American under Tom Herman, mm-hmm. did they? He and got hired off the first half of the season. He got hired off off of beating Oklahoma. That's and, true, too. And Charlie Strong beat Oklahoma, so what do you got? <laughs> you guys got so, any problem with uh, Lamar Jackson winning the Heisman? Nah. You know, you know. Jim? Um, Not at all. I think, um, you know, he's, he's a talented kid. I I mean, I, I think I thought it was a coin toss between him and the kid from Clemson, but um, I you know again, the kids are tremendous and phenomenal talent. So no, you can't. I can't argue that point. Yeah, he, uh, he the, built the up a huge lead, right, Jeff? I mean, he he, he he was such a front runner in midseason that uh, nobody could catch him. I, I think. Well, but what bothered me about that a little bit was that there were a reports of many voters uh, admitting that they sent in their ballot before the season was over. And Ugh. Louisville did not um, end the season well. <laughs> and um, so I think you, when it comes to the, to uh, um, an award like the Heisman, just like with the big NFL awards, you don't, you don't mark your ballot until the season is over. And, uh, you know, Louisville got exposed for not being um, a great team, um, I think, um, overall. And, you know, people, but people were voting for for this kid before they played Houston in, in mid-November. And they went out, we all remember that Thursday night game. It was a mm-hmm. debacle. It got beat 36 to 10. They lost to Kentucky you know, the, the following game. So uh, I think he was a, he's a, certainly an exciting player, a fine player, but, you know, wait till the season's over and then judge the whole body of work, not just a couple of highlight reels that you saw in October. Hey, Jim, real quick. Can, go ahead, yeah, Go ahead, Jim. No, uh, go no, ahead. no, just quick, just quickly. I can relate to what Joe's saying because uh, uh, I vote for the uh, uh, postseason NFL awards and, and mm-hmm. the AP All-Pro team. and. Right. I am not sending in my ballot till every team has played 16 games. And, for example, mm-hmm. just quickly, uh, to me, the MVP race is, is wide open. Uh, a lot of people are saying, uh, you know, Brady's a runaway winner. I don't see it that way. He missed mm-hmm. a quarter of the season. That's a problem for me. Um, it wasn't an injury. Uh, he did zero for four games, and they mm-hmm. went three and one. That's a problem for me. So... I'm, you know, if, if these guys finish strong, Matt Stafford, uh, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, uh, you know. Ezekiel uh, Elliott. In, Ezekiel Elliott. It's up in the air, Jim. You don't send your ballot uh, three mm-hmm. weeks before the season ends. You don't. No, that, that would not be the way. Real quick, I wanted to ask both of you one, and I'll make it short because we'll wrap it up after this. But real quick, talking to Heisman, how hard and should USF push putting flowers for the Heisman because we all know it comes from the athletic department. It's where it all starts. The buzz starts. You got Charlie strong on the sidelines. You know, you're going to have a lot of uh, 
national press interested in South Florida for at least the first couple of weeks. Can't you parlay um, that to help uh, Quentin Flowers get into the Heisman conversation, if nothing else? Thoughts, guys? Well, they probably should because I, I don't think he can win the Heisman at South Florida. But you know what? If um, if it generates more interest in the program, uh, I think it would help. Now, USF will be ranked next year, I, I believe, mm-hmm. in preseason. And that's always a good starting place. And with their schedule, it's always dangerous to go, well, they could, they could run the table. They could go undefeated. But they could run the table and go undefeated. <laughs> they really could. And, you know, barring injury. Ben Ira's not here to contest that, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah um, but, um, you know, I think um, anything that draws attention, positive attention to your program is a good thing. And uh, they've got no better ambassador right now than Quentin Flowers. Uh, Marlon Mack, too. Let's not forget, mm-hmm. you know, the outstanding running back they've got. That's a, that's a good football team. Is he coming back? Jim, I uh, think so. Sounds like it. I think so. Jim, Jim you're right on point. Uh, I think it's incumbent uh, on, on the uh, SID department uh, to push uh, for Flowers. And, Joe, I, I might add, I think you push early. Uh, you, you do it in, in the summer. Um, you get the idea in, in people's heads that uh, this guy's one of the top quarterbacks in the nation that's coming back for 2017. Jim, you, you do it early, and you do it forcefully. That's what other schools do. Uh, if USF's big time with, with strong, that, that's what they do. Ira, I'd also like to see the uh, conference get behind that push, too, yeah. the American yeah. Conference. Uh, I'll, send, I'll send Chuck Sullivan a note. Yeah, yeah do that. Um, that would certainly enhance the Americans' uh, credibility. Mm-hmm. And, oh, no question. You know, you, Got a player like we that might, there. Uh, you got to let people know about him. We might even, uh, Jim. We might even get the kid on one of our podcasts, Jim. We I think we could. I think we can pull that off. You know, I was going to say, if I'm Charlie Strong during my press conference, I'm going to have him come over and say, Quentin Flowers is the main man in my mind for the Heisman Trophy starting because you know that when Charlie has his press conference, that's going to be something you're going to see on ESPN. You're going to see it on Fox. Right. You're going to see it nationally. Bring him out, put him right there, put him right there and say, hey, look, I know we haven't played a game together. I know I haven't coached him for five seconds, but this is the man who's going to win the Heisman Trophy next year if we do everything right. Absolutely. So, and I'll ask the first question, Joe. I'll sit there in the front row and say, why should people be enthused about you when you didn't get the job done in Texas? I'll, I'll throw it out there. You know, and, and, there's a, and there's a very re- – Ira, it's a very good point. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's something I'm sure that, that he will have to answer uh, when the press conference is done. Absolutely. Okay, guys, final thoughts real quick in your social media. Start with you, uh, Mr. You could, Kaufman. You can find me, Joseph, on uh, at iKaufman76. Uh, and this is the biggest Bucks game, Joe, uh, in a long, long time, probably since uh, 2008. When they went into Charlotte uh, at nine and three, facing the nine and three Panthers, and and got their heads handed to them that night, they gave up 300 yards rushing. Joe, that's the key to this game. How many yards rushing will the Cowboys get? Joe's right. He's going to get a face full of Elliott. That's the way to neutralize this quarterback controversy. Uh, it's up to the Bucks uh, front seven, gentlemen, 
to uh, take care of business and not let Elliott run wild. Otherwise, they have a little chance of winning this game. Joseph. Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter at J Henderson Tampa, T-A-M-P-A. And I will concur with my learned colleague, Ira, uh, about the magnitude of this Bucks game. But I would add a caveat that even if they lose, they've got uh, games remaining against New Orleans and Carolina, both of whom they've already beaten. Carolina is here in Tampa um, the, as the uh, regular season finale. I suspect Carolina will come here with their bags packed and, their bu- and the bus running, uh, ready to get that game over with. And so uh, two wins in their final three gives the Bucks 10. Um, pretty good chance of getting the playoffs uh, if that happens, if they beat the Cowboys this week, you can probably start making your playoff plans. I'll tell you what, I think that they do beat the uh, Cowboys this weekend. It'll be a close game. Um, you can find me at Sports Talk FLA. That's Sports Talk FLA on Twitter. And um, the other thing that's going to be fun this uh, watching this game is Iris talking about you know, how important it is. I, I got to tell you, um, I can't think of anything in the way of uh, a Sunday night game in Dallas where the entire you know, world is watching. That takes you all the way back almost to the time prior to them getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, this this could be uh, something that really turns people's heads with regard to what the Bucks are. Absolutely. They so. might even fill the seats, uh, Joe, a little when the, Saints, uh, when, when the Panthers come to town for that season finale. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, the the crowds have really picked up, and they've been um, vociferous. Yes, How's that for a word? Wow. I can't so, spell uh, it, Henderson, but it, it's a good word. It's a good word. V-O-I-C-I-F-E-R-O-U-S. See that ding, 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 <laughs> ding. All right. And for those of you who have just tuned into the Hearst Spelling Bee. Well, that brings to a close another edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast right here on SportsTalkFlorida.com. For Ira Kaufman. And Joe Henderson, the Sunshine Boys. I'm Jim Williams, your host. We hope that you enjoyed the show and join us next time on the Sunshine Boys podcast. 